0: Sovereign in the mountain air. Sovereign on the ocean floor. With me in the calm. With me in the storm.
1: Hello and good morning. Good morning. It is good to be together uh, at Grace. We are a Christ-centered community intent on proclaiming the gospel, making disciples and sacrificially serving Jesus. So uh, that's why we're here this morning. If you're new, we want to especially just say welcome to you. We're so glad to have you with us. We'd love to meet you as well. So after the service, you could come up to the front, meet a pastor or elder, or step outside of the Welcome Center, and and, uh, we'd just love to be able to say hello to you. Uh, That's all for this morning. So with that, let's stand, uh, and we'll begin our service reading from God's Word from Psalm 100. Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5 Father, thank you that you are good. Your steadfast love endures forever. Your faithfulness to all generations. Lord, we are your people, the sheep of your pasture, and we, we know our need for your shepherding this morning. So we pray that you would guide us and lead us. Would you work in our hearts so that Jesus Christ would be lifted up, exalted, cherished. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. <laughs>
0: Turn into wine Open the eyes to the blind stop us, and if our God is with us, then what could stand?
1: Amen. So good to sing those words together. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Ephesians chapter 3. And I invite you to turn there with me to Ephesians 3. We're going to be reading verses 14 through to the end of the chapter, verse 21. It will remain standing out of honor for God's perfect, inerrant, inspired, infallible, authoritative, sufficient word. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And we're going to pray in just a moment. As we do, I'll mention that we're going to pray specifically for one of our missionaries this morning, Newton Chilengulo and uh, his wife Vanessa and their family. Newton serves in Lalongwe, Malawi. A few of us from the church were actually there visiting him earlier this year. And just a wonderful brother, uh, pastoring, training pastors, and also completing a doctor in ministry degree from the Master Seminary. So uh, let's pray, and we'll pray for their family as well. Father, thank you for the words that we've just read in Ephesians. Thank you that you are the one who is able to work in us so that we would see the height and breadth and length and depth, and to know in some way and to grow in knowledge of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Lord, we we thank you that you are able to do in us immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine according to your power that's at work within us. And we thank you that all of this angles and reverberates towards uh, you receiving glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. So, Lord, we thank you for the chance to gather this morning, and we, we pray right in alignment with your word, that you would open our eyes to see the love of Christ, that you would work even today in ways that would be beyond what we would be able to ask or think or dream up um, so that Christ would receive glory. Lord, we want to uh, be a people who are um, in the deepest way devoted to Christ, uh, that our lives would be humble before him, that we would submit to his word, that we would experience the power of his spirit working among us and transforming us into a holy people who belong to Jesus. And Lord, it's it's all um, dependent on your grace in that sense. We need you, and even for eternal things to happen this morning, things of eternal uh, impact and good, it's your work that's required. And so, Lord, we ask for that. Help us to be humble. Would you use your word to to bring us to a place where we would see Christ as our soul sufficiency, the only one who could deliver us from our sins. Would you crush pride in us this morning? Lord, would you would you work so that Jesus would receive praise and even that our hearts would be turned to, to want to love him and follow him more earnestly and with more joy? Uh, Lord, we're thankful for Newton and his family. Thank you that you allow us to have uh, such friendships and partnerships with People around the world who are working for the gospel, and we pray for the ministry in Lilongwe, uh, and ask that you would bless it, that you would strengthen your church in Malawi. We pray for Newton and Vanessa and their family. Pray for your blessing on them and their kids. That you would allow the gospel to give their home a sweet uh, flavor and aroma. That um, that you would encourage them personally, help them be uh, faithful in their personal lives to Christ. And we're just so thankful for for their friendship, and um, the ministry that we share together, even though we're on opposite sides of the world. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for the opportunity to gather this morning, and we, we ask that in all things Christ would receive honor and praise this morning. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
0: Room is empty. Still, redemption's promise we
2: fulfill. No condemnation.
0: Secure my future, say. He'll not forsake me to the grave. He lives and He will not delay. My eyes will wait to brighten, day, And in my flesh I'll see Him stand when Christ in Lord in glory.
1: Father God, thank you that we can sing these truths to ourselves
0: and to one another and ultimately to you. Our Redeemer lives.
1: God, thank you for this time now that we get to be in your word. Thank you that you have set it apart, that we might see you more clearly. God, help us to see who you are this morning. We ask this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: It's good to be back with you after being gone two Sundays. We uh, went to Tennessee with all five of our kids and their spouses and the grandkids uh, to see my in-laws and cousins. And uh, last weekend, Angela and I had the privilege uh, to go on a missions retreat with the Masters Academy International. So always good, though, to be back with you. Uh, When we were en route to Knoxville, uh, I heard a news report And it was from Louisiana, and it it said that seven people had been killed, two dozen had been injured, 158 vehicles had been damaged on the interstate uh, during a super fog event where there was near zero visibility, and it caused an 11-mile backup. And I guess um, I, I thought when I first heard it that a super fog was just a lot of fog, and I I looked it up, and it turns out that a superfog forms when a wildfire is smoldering and uh, the diminishing heat releases water vapor that's stored in these burning organic materials. And then the cool air chills the fire-heated water vapor, and it transforms the gas into thick clouds such that it's near zero visibility, and it makes navigation nearly impossible. Now... Uh, Think of it this way if you're a Christian today. We're not driving down a blurry highway. Uh, We are in a spiritual war. And today we're going back into Ephesians 3.20. I know some of you were hoping we would be in Ephesians 4.1 by today. It's a sermon entitled, Immeasurably More in the Fog of War. Now, a super fog is one thing, but the fog of war is another. It's the uncertainty that experienced by participants in the military operation. We just had Veterans Day, being thankful and, and giving appreciation for those who have served so well uh, for our country. But uncertainty experienced by participants in the military operation is called the fog of war. You find yourself disoriented by the situation. But, dear Christian, you are in a spiritual war. You are in a spiritual battle. And sometimes we forget who we're at war with not each other, not unbelievers. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And like Ephesians 6 says, be strong. Verse 10, Ephesians 6 10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. 2 Corinthians 3 tells us this, though we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In the fog of the spiritual war that you and I find ourselves in, temptation presents. And there's this subtle temptation uh, that creeps in to think either too highly of yourself or too lowly of yourself. To be tempted to be intoxicated by success or even devastated by failure. Or to be blinded by how good things are going or, or in, in such a tailspin that you cannot pray due to grief or shame or shock. And you may feel today lower than dirt, or you may feel like you're you know, riding on, on the highest clouds. And God can do immeasurably more in the fog of that war that you find yourself in. Ephesians 3.20 tells us, God can do more than you ask or think. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us we walk by faith, not by sight. We rest our weary souls on Christ. And we've been going through verse by verse through the book of Ephesians since January 1. And most recently, we have been looking at the prayer that reaches God. So Ephesians three fourteen to 21. Part 1 was verses 14 and 15. Bowing before our sovereign God. Why we pray, how we pray. That God is our sovereign, saving Father, and we humbly bow before Him in prayer. Part 2 was verses 16 and 19, praying for power and love, that you need power and love to live the Christian life. You need the Spirit's power and Christ's love. And then part 3, verses 20 and 21, glory to our glorious God. And we were zeroing in on the praise of the prayer. How God's abilities leave us awestruck and how his glory is over all. Therefore, we should praise him for who he is and what he does. And this is where we've been going. And, and this, this praise at the end of this prayer, verses 20 and 21, is really a doxology. It's really a song of praise that leads to the exhortations that are found in chapters 4, 5, and 6. And it's both forward-looking and backward-looking. It's based upon the indicatives of chapters 1, 2, and 3, so it looks back at God's saving works, but it also is based, and, and really jumpstarts the imperatives in chapters 4, 5, and 6, what we are to do in Christ's strength and for his glory. And, and this doxology, what it does is it wraps up the first half of this letter, and then it flows into the practical uh, instructions and implications that we see in those last three chapters. And what this, this, this song of praise does is it repeats three themes that we have seen. Uh, God's glorious grace in giving salvation, God's power for every Christian, and then this, this unbreakable link between Christ and the church. And this prayer is, is, is saying all of these things, but I want us to go back to verse 20 today. I've been thinking a lot about verse 20 over, over the, really the past six weeks, and especially over this past several weeks being gone, two weeks being gone, uh, this verse, now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. And so I want you to think through this verse with me as well, and I really want to just point out two truths in this verse that deserve you know, further attention. And the first truth is that God can do more than you think he can. God can do more than you think he can. And secondly, God is always working for his glory. So the first truth, God can do more than you think he can. And secondly, God is always working for his glory. So I want you to think on these things with me today. The first is this, God can do more than you think he can immeasurably more than all that you could pray or comprehend. So put your eyes on verse 20. That's where we're at today. Now to him, that's how it starts, now to him, to Yahweh, to the covenant God, to the triune God, to God Almighty, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, now to him who is able to do, he's capable, he's strong to do far more abundantly than we could ask or think, far more abundantly, super abundantly quite beyond all measure, the highest form of comparison imaginable, and far more abundantly than you could ask, that you could request to come to know. Humbly bow your heart before him and ask, and and he can do more than that, but also more than you can think. This idea of what you understand and, and, and perceive. And the idea behind this is this, that for the Christian, God's capacity to meet your spiritual needs far exceeds what you can ask in prayer or anticipate. So whatever you ask and whatever you can think of, God can do more than that. It's just like Philippians 4-7 says, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. The ways of God surpass our understanding. Far more abundantly, super abundantly, far beyond all measure highest form of comparison imaginable. And especially with regard to salvation. And we see this in the first three chapters of Ephesians. If you just would review, go back to Ephesians 1. and Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. That's something you didn't ask for and you didn't think up being blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing, every blessing from the Spirit of God. And then you go down to verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. You didn't ask for that. You didn't think it up. And then it says that he predestined us, verse 5, for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. You didn't ask for it. You didn't think it up. And then he forgave us. We have, we have forgiveness of our trespasses. Verse 7, you didn't ask for that forgiveness. You didn't think it up. And then it tells us that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. We have this inheritance that we didn't ask for. And we didn't think up. And you get on into chapter 2. You were dead. He made you alive. You were dead. You didn't ask for it to be made alive. You didn't make up the idea of being made alive. Save saved you by grace. You didn't ask for it. You didn't make it up. We cannot fathom, and yet throughout Scripture, we see evidence of what God can do. Abraham and Isaac, or Abraham's whole life, and Joseph and his brothers, and Moses and Pharaoh, and Elisha and his servant. You know, open his eyes, Lord, see. Or Isaiah in the, in the presence of God. Peter on the day of Pentecost. Stephen being stoned to death, Philip an the Ethiopian eunuch, Paul on the road to Damascus, John on the Isle of Patmos, on and on it goes. God delivering and saving and redeeming, providing. You cannot plumb the depths of the infinite God in His ways. Yet you see evidence even in your own life, believer. We do not know how to pray as we ought, Romans 8 tells us, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You do not have perfect insight into every situation, but the truth sets you free to yield control to God in in what you do not understand. That's the best surrender, to let another decide. That's the best surrender. In the darkest valley, the shepherd leads you on even when you are disoriented, you know, you're going south and you think you're going north, you call on the God who knows everything. You let him carry you like a shepherd carries a little lamb. God can do more than you think he can, immeasurably more than you could ask or anticipate. And God is always working for his glory. Something is being done to us. If you look at this verse, it tells us that it's according to the power, the might, the strength, at work, active, effective, in us, within us, and at least to the glory of God. Look at verse 21. To Him be glory. You recognize what belongs to God alone. Literally, the Greek reads, to Him the glory, to God the glory. And what do you see Ephesians repeatedly insisting upon? The glory of God in his saving work. Chapter 1, verse 6 to the praise of his glorious grace. Verse 12, to the praise of his glory. Verse 14, to the praise of his glory. Verse 18, his glorious inheritance. And chapter 2, verse 7 the immeasurable riches of his grace. Chapter 3, verse 10, that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known according to the riches of His glory. It is realized through His power, which is continually operating in every believer. Again, you might feel like dust today. And the power of God, believer, is at work in you. The things impossible with man, or possible with God, that, like salvation, like his bride, the church living with him forever, the gospel, the power of God for salvation, Paul told the Philippians, God is at work in you to will and do his good pleasure, as high as you feel, as low as you feel, God is at work in you, Christian, to will and do his good pleasure. He providentially orchestrates all things for our good and his glory. I could give you so many examples from my life where in the smallest things, in the biggest things, God orchestrated things. You can do the same. His power and providence even seen in the little things. I'll give you an example. Just this week, I was ordering a book. Ordering this book, and, and I knew, uh, and they were half off. And, and if you know me, you know I like a good deal. And I ordered 10 copies of this book, and it was Thursday morning, and it was to arrive in t- like two weeks. And so I thought to myself, I really want to get a copy of this book f- before that. And so I went to another vendor who would, who would deliver it to me same day. And I was about to, to order that, but I was like, I don't want to pay that much. And so I didn't do it. The window closed, right? So I get to a meeting later that day on Thursday with the actual publisher of the book, it turns out. And guess what they brought to me? The book I had just ordered that morning. And you're like, oh, that's such a little thing. Well, God had it hand-delivered from Chicago. And by the way, they left Chicago before I ordered the books on Thursday morning. You're like, okay, whatever. Well, you know... A very small thing, but God does immeasurably more than we could ask or anticipate. And as Isaiah says, uh, and God says it in Isaiah, "Before they call, I will answer them." And if He get a book to you from Chicago before you even ask for it, He can take care of every detail of your life, even the small details. And what what it points you and I to is a confidence building power he deserves the greater glory. This good and gracious king knows what he's doing. He can cause the wrath of man to praise him. What would he not do to bring glory to himself? You cannot fathom the perfectly timed plans of God. Far higher are his ways than ours. Far more mighty. There's no good he cannot do power is immense. It is true. He, he's not going to be overpowered. His ways will not be thwarted. He is Jesus' goodness incarnate. He acts according to his predetermined plan. In any trouble that you face, if it's, if it's, if it's some of your own making, or if it was imposed upon you even, you can expect, dear believer, Romans 8.28 Coordination for good. Precisely and perfectly timed for good. And it's good in quality and quantity. It's pristine. It's plenteous. It's of the highest purity of good. Because God can do more than you think He can. And He is always working for His glory and your good. You can't see it, but He's working for your good. Times without number. Times without number. More than you could ask. More than you could anticipate. Think of his saving grace. He provided you. He blessed you with salvation. He forgave you. He cleansed you. He sealed you. He secured you. He gave you an inheritance that's unending. He gave you new life. And his sanctifying grace. He gave you understanding of the word, that you could grow in depth of the word. He he gave you assurance of forgiveness. He gave gave you the capacity to fellowship with with other believers and to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. He empowered you with boldness. I don't think how many times I have prayed for the salvation of others and then I have forgotten. God doesn't forget. Or, Or times that I have I have wanted to be reconciled with someone and he blessed me with a better reconciliation than I hoped for. Or I was able to forgive someone that I didn't think I could forgive. See, Christian, you can expect, you can believe, and you cannot fathom how you will see God do immeasurably more in the fog of this spiritual war that you are in and I am in and we are in. You can ask. You can anticipate. And do it with every ounce of strength that God gives you. Ask and think. And yet you know you don't hold everything together. God does. He holds all things together by the word of his power. He works all things Together, by the counsel of his will. And don't live the Christian life in superstition. So many Christians do. I've talked to so many friends overseas, and they'll say, you know, my country has a problem. It's that the Christians are syncretistic, and they mix the gospel with paganism and with animism and with all sorts of things. And every time I hear it, I say, my country has the same problem. The Christians in my country have the same problem. How many times have you thought something like, if I just lean a certain way and pray and say, this is the right words, maybe God will work it out by chance. Well, maybe, maybe, he'll, maybe he'll make it happen if I have enough faith. Or maybe I can get him to do what I want by my performance. Or maybe I'll be able to unlock them, some secret mystery by some secret knowledge I can get from someone. Somewhere. Somehow. No. No. It's by the power of God that you live and move and have your being, Christian. If you're not a believer, you're on your own, you're drifting. If you're a Christian, it is by the power of God that you live and move and have your being. Thomas Brooks, Puritan Thomas Brooks, said this God has in himself all power to defend you, all wisdom to direct you, all mercy to pardon you, all grace to enrich you, all righteousness to clothe you, all goodness to supply you, and all happiness to crown you. So praise him, believer. Praise him as George Matheson did in 1882. O love that wilt not let me go, I rest my weary soul on thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. O joy that seeketh me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain, that morn shall tearless be. You can pray in faith. And you're not ordering up at a restaurant. And God is no genie in a bottle or a vending machine. And even when you feel weak in faith, you should probably check that out. English Puritan John Owen, 1616 to 1683, spoke of being weak in faith when praying. Sometimes we have little faith, that our prayers will be heard. And we're hindered by unbelief and the factors at work in us that even make our faith weak. Selfishness will creep into our prayers. Maybe you're burdened by some personal sin and you may pray against the sin, but you don't mortify that sin. And your prayers, he says, will not be answered if you are indulging private sin and not vigorously attempting to kill that sin as the scriptures require. Christian, you need to live by faith and remember what God did. Remember what he did as recorded in the scriptures, and remember what he has done in your life. Like, have a treasury in your mind. Have a vault in your mind that you would treasure in your memory various times that God has acted on your behalf. And you have noticed. It will strengthen your faith. I remember once, this is like 35 years ago, I was leading an Easter day camp for children at the church I was serving at at the time, and I remember I pulled up with no voice. And at the time, too many of of the ministry things were falling on on me, and I thought I was the only one that could do it, and I had no voice. And God taught me a really good lesson that week as 30 professed faith in Christ while I couldn't speak. I remember once we were working on a home that we had, and uh, a friend stepped in unasked to bail us out of a big problem with it. You may have prayed all your life through all your years. You may have seen God keep your soul and, and you've not departed from God. You've not departed from God into evil. You've obtained specific mercies in your life that you recognize. Believer, keep a record of those things. Put them in a vault in your mind. Share them with others. John Owen said this too. Every discovery made of Christ that brings your soul closer to him and increases your love to him is God answering your prayers. God will do a thousand things that you can't fathom. You see one. Only God knows. He he worked that out. Even as you're praying. Praying that those who look like weeds would be wheat. (laughs) Those who seem like goats would be sheep. You're praying that the lost would be found. You're praying that the dead would become alive. You're praying that children of wrath would become children of God. You want people to believe that God is sovereign and holy. You you, you know that people are sinful, but what you want those, you're praying for to realize they're sinful. and That Jesus, the substitute, was sent to shed his blood. And, And you want them to surrender Just like you did. You know, the saved, what do the saved do? They pray to their father. They love their heavenly father. You pray in faith. You write prayer lists. You desire for others to be saved. And maybe you go years of planting and watering before any fruit is produced. I've got trees on our property that bear more than once a year, and I've got trees that have never given fruit. But Jesus said this, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Those who have been given to me by my Father, I will never cast them out. They are mine forever. I've chosen me for the foundation of the world. Saved in time by God's gracious decree. And that's a great comfort for you and I. Believer, that's a great comfort to know that. Your former life may have been as evil as, and as wicked as possible. Uh, your new life, it, as we all know, it, our new life is imperfect because of our sin. Your faith may be shaky. Your prayers may be weak. Your, your obedience may be faulty. Your grasp of hope may be very, very um, lacking. But what you have to stand on in this moment is what you've always had to stand on, the sovereign goodness and, and grace and mercy of God. In Christ, your substitute, knowing your sinfulness, but you keep surrendering to Him. When you're aware of your sin, you're going to either go deeper into darkness or you're going to bring it out into the light and confess it and seek forgiveness. And God can do immeasurably more than all that you could ask or think. Can we talk about some takeaways? You need to ask and think. You must do it. If you're a believer, you're born again by the Spirit of God, you must ask and think. Pour your heart out. Don't demand things. Just simply devote yourself to claiming your dependence and rely on God's determination and know that sometimes you're waiting a long time as you pray, but you are knocking on the right door you, you keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking, that, that know that any misery that you bring to the Lord will be met with mercy. As you pray, think deeply of who God is and how he has revealed himself in Scripture. And that accurate picture is going to renew your mind, shape your mind, and transform you into a trusting child, not a doubting one. You must ask and think. And you must rest on God's promises. You have to rest on God's promises. You're going to be greatly comforted as you plead the promises of God in prayer. That you rest on his handwriting, that you trust his voice in the word, that he is the one who gave his word. He spoke it, he had it written down. He said it would never fail, it never has, it never will. Never, never has any structure been so strong. Skyscrapers built to challenge the heavens could never be as strong as the word of God that he has spoken and it remains unbroken, and it will. So tether your soul to the fount of many blessings. Like Lash your soul to the mast of truth that all the promises of God find their fulfillment in Christ, and you are His, and you belong to Him, and He will never leave you or forsake you. He will accomplish what concerns you. You must ask and think, and you must rest on God's promises. One more. You must trust God's providence. God sees when you're merely groping in the dark. Um, God acts when you have no strength to move. God blesses you when you cannot pray. He carries you when you can't take a step. He he loves to bless his children. He loves to surprise his children. He loves to reveal himself to his children. He loves to lovingly control his children. He is able to do more than you ask or think. He providentially orchestrates everything. Thomas Watson said there are three things in providence God's foreknowing, God's determining, and God's directing all things to their periods and events. He knows. He determines and He directs. Providence is why you and I are here today. Providence is why you and I continue on. Providence is why you are breathing. Providence is why the sun rose today, why the globe continues to spin and why the stars are still in the sky and why you and I are not consumed. Providence. Puritan Richard Baxter once asked this question, Tell me, if God never had a creature to look to in all the world but thee, wouldst thou believe that he would regard your, thy heart and words and ways or not? And if he would, why not now, as well as then? Is he not as sufficient for thee, as really present with thee, as if he had no other creature else? John Flavel once said, some providences, like Hebrew letters, must be read backwards. You look back, you see what God was doing. You keep trusting the sovereign god even when his even when his providences seem to run contrary to his promises think of it god promised abraham that all the nations would be blessed in him that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars and as the sand and he asked him to offer up his son and abraham went and did as told and trusted the promises you know, Even as the midterm providence hinted otherwise. God promised David a crown, the kingship. And yet providence seemed to take him in a different direction. He's pursued by Saul, he's in danger of his life, and it was his duty to trust God for a crown. God promised Paul. They were in a, in a severe storm. God promised Paul that the lives of every man on the ship with him would be saved. And yet the ship broke into pieces. And God fulfilled his promises on the broken pieces of that ship as everyone was brought safely to shore. Think about it. You take a road in one direction, there's many turns, winding ways, and maybe even dead ends and direction changes. We were in the Smoky Mountains a couple of weeks ago in Tennessee, and I'm telling you, you know, um, you go winding roads, and you think you're going this way, but then you end up going this way, then that way, then that way, then you finally go this way. This is life, friends. This is life. We expect it in mountains and valleys. You can expect it in the peaks and pits of life. God promised. He will never leave you or forsake you. So you're in, you're in a super fog right now in the fog of this spiritual war. Trust the instruments of the word of God and keep moving. Onward, Christian soldiers. Ask and think and rest on God's promises and trust in God's providence because he is able to do immeasurably more than you could ask or anticipate. And he did it in saving you. He's doing it in sanctifying you and he will do it in glorifying you. And it will be all for his glory and your good. Lord, we thank you and praise you that for your glory and our good, you keep your promises and you're orchestrating everything in your providence. Give us strength to keep asking. Give us strength to keep thinking. Give us strength to keep living for your glory. And we pray in Christ's name, amen. Amen. At the cross, God did what we couldn't ask for and wouldn't think up. He did immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think. And He declared war on the war of sin and death, victoriously conquering the grave. We come to this table now to remember that and rejoice in Christ our Savior. It's for every believer. If you're not a believer today you need to know that why we do this is out of obedience to Jesus and that we do this because we know God is sovereign and holy and we know he demands perfection and we know we're sinful and we could never attain that and we know that Jesus our substitute shed his blood in our place at the cross he was buried was raised on the third day conquering sin and death And he has promised to return blessing for those who believe and judgment for those who refuse him. We have come to know and believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Believe in him today. If you're not a Christian, you know this table's not for you. But even now, believe the scriptures, which says, believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. Repent and believe. Turn from your sins and turn to Christ. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23 For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. But the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. As often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He goes on. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, not accordance to its worth, will be guilty of profaning profaning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine themselves and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so we come to this table examining our own hearts, knowing it's open to every believer and knowing that this is what Jesus gave us to remember him again and again and again with the body of Christ. So Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so believers partake together. After supper, he took the cup. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. In Hebrews 9, verse 11, we read these words. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, even through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more? For the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. You're a Christian today. You hold those words dear. Purified by Christ's shed blood. Able to live with a clean conscience, clear conscience before God and man. And knowing that as you go along in life you keep confessing your sins and you keep walking with Christ. Jesus said this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you that as we come to this table we can come rejoicing. In your life in us in forgiveness and the joy that we have in Christ, joy that supersedes any situation of life, even joy and pain. Thank you, Lord, that as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim Christ's death until he comes again.
1: We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand as we close, sing.